Welcome back to the Montgomery Company's podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. We are so excited that you're with us and we want to wish you a happy new year. Today, we're hanging out with Chris Prefontaine. Chris Prefontaine is an author, a speaker, a coach, and a real estate guru. Chris has been involved in real estate for over 30 years, and his experience ranges from constructing new homes in the 1990s to owning a realty executive franchise to running his own business all throughout North America, where he coaches and consults with clients on buying and selling properties. Whether you're a real estate guru yourself or you're an amateur on the subject matter, know this, we cover a ton of ground today on the topic of leadership. You're going to get better, you're going to grow, you're going to learn, and you're going to love Chris Prefontaine. Let's dive in. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, buddy. It's a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to hanging out. Well, uh, listen, we have some mutual friends in common. Shout out to David Nurse, John Gordon, part of the reason we got connected um, and I want to start there on relationships and community. You've got a fascinating story. You also have a fascinating community of people that you've organized and brought together. Um, I, I want to start by asking you this question, Chris. When you think about all that you've built and you think about the relationships and some of the sort of key mentors that are factored into your success, what does that look like for you relationally in your leadership journey? Uh, as far as putting all those pieces together, really? Is that what yeah, I'm yeah. how did, yeah. Like, How did that start for you? Take us back to some of the early days of how you got your start learning from sort, sort of some key mentors. Yeah, I'm big on, uh, some people say this is foo-foo, but I, I'm as simplistic as I follow the energy. Um, I know you're a huge connector. So way back, I've had a mentor since, I, I just t- texted a guy this morning and said, do you have a coach? He said, no. I said, he said, why? I said, I've had one since I was in my 20s. Like, so I always would just follow that energy from a leadership and a mentor uh, standpoint, meaning if I'm coaching with you and you're passing me a book or you're passing me someone, I'm going to follow that. And if in the book it says, this is someone I follow, then I'm going to go that direction. Like I just keep following that. And that has led to some really, really cool relationships. And I, I mean, I think I could even attribute tens of thousands, quarter of a million, million to some of those single relationships as, as we grew through the ranks. And, and so if I'm tracking you, did I answer your question on that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think about you've got a top rated podcast and you just go through the list of guests that you've had on your show. And I know just people who are friends of yours and you're extremely well connected. So I love what you say about, you know, follow the energy. And in the vein of connection, you talked about the season of your life, maybe 2008, where uh, you had some struggle, right? And you mentioned in that specific season, you were without a, a mentor or a real influence in your life. We also talk about failure on this show and how failure defines and shapes leaders. Could you talk about 2008, maybe take us back to the early days of Chris Prefontaine? Yeah, um, this is really good to put some salt in the wound. And that's an understatement what you said, by the way, trouble, struggle. So yeah, so leading up to 08, I had just sold one of my companies to Cobalt Bank. It was just my small brokerage. It wasn't a big deal. But at the time, it was big for me. It was the first time I sold something. That was in 2000. And I started doing my own investments and coaching people around US and Canada. And then got a little, I'll say in hindsight, a little cocky, a little comfortable with putting my credit forward and getting loans because it was like an ATM machine back then. You could go, you, seriously, if you could fog a mirror and you could do a stated income application, you can get, you can get money. So we were over leveraged. And when the 08 crash came, um, I'll give you a direct examples. We had projects. One of them, Jordan, was a six unit building and the values went by two thirds down. So we were selling for like 170. I couldn't sell to save my life at 50 grand. Now, why is that important to this whole development thing? Because I was on it personally. 
So the banks all called. I had IRS, I had creditors, I had the banks, I had rep- I, everything you could possibly imagine for a rotten scenario. That's what I had. So it took about four years, 08 till 12. And it took four years because I refused to file bankruptcy or do anything and, and hurt people. And so hindsight, I'm glad I did it. During the time, people said, you are absolutely insane to not just move on. So we worked through that. And I just said this morning, we're in a clubhouse room. And I, someone asked me to comment on it. And I said, I would never change it. Like I, I wouldn't change it. If, but you told me that back then, you, I would have said you're nuts. But uh, it, it built everything character-wise and uh, business-wise that we are today. Literally, what we're building today for a business that you said in the intro is all because we came out of that saying, what's the new rules here? What's the box we're going to operate in? Because that's ridiculous. We can't have that happen again. And so everything today is because of that, literally. Um, so long story short, I'm glad it happened. Uh, but there was some serious lessons, the serious stress, serious everything going on then. I think for all of us, we have a story that, you know, was involved in some sort of a setback that led to a setup, you know, and, and I think about your story being so much that way. You talk about mindset, skill set, and process. And I want to get into some of the intricacies of what you teach and coach on. Um, before we go there, tell us why did you decide that mindset, skill set, and process were going to be three things that you focus on? Yes, we call my genius model. And here's the thing, and I can't wait to get your opinion on this now. And I know we're going to talk later on my show, but I can teach someone a deal. Like I've been doing this 30 years. I can teach someone how to do a deal. That's easy. And I didn't say simple. I said easy to get get through that process. But the issue is this. When life happens and someone goes out and they try to do a deal, they go to a seminar, they go, this is great. It's all fluffy. It all sounds good. Then they go do a deal and life happens and they flush out of real estate. And I kept seeing that and I was like, that's a big bummer. So we decided to bridge that gap where someone can actually get a deal done and have success and feel good. They need those other things. They need the systems. They need the skill sets. The skill sets would be how to teach them to do a deal. But the mindset piece, and I've asked different guests this when I was on my show, and I get every, everything from 100% importance to 80% importance, nothing lower. I think that the mindset is a big, big deal. I think it's more than we all know. I know you know this, but I think it's more than we all know. Uh, because each stage of our life, I, we have a partner now who built the largest fitness brand in the world. And I, I constantly pick his brain about, okay, Peter, what's the next stage looking like here? What should I expect? What are the challenges? Because I know they're there and I'd rather uncover them ahead of time. The mindset piece is just enormous. And that counts who we hang out with, right? It's not just, just yeah. fluff. It, who we hang out with influences the mind. <clears throat> yeah, there's no question. You talk about labels and exposure, and, you know, I, I love how you unpack that. Could you maybe go a little deeper there on labels and exposure and how that ultimately affects mindset? Well, again, I'll use my story, right? I love direct stories instead of theory. So I, there's, there's two labels. I'll go with a simple one and then I'll go to the to crash. But when I was in middle school, I was put in this read, they called it a reading class, but it was a special class that they wouldn't let me take a language. So if you told me then I labeled myself that I hung out with kids that weren't as smart. I could see it. I could feel it. And I labeled myself as that. If you told me then or teacher said then, hey, maybe you'll write a book someday. Like I would have, I seriously would have chuckled. Like I, that's the mind, I labeled myself as I'm in this special class. And so fast forward, you know, whatever, 20 something years, I was in the crash. And for four years mentally, I didn't know it. But as I look back, I was labeled myself as a failure. Then. There's no question. And so I couldn't get out of that. That's why one of the reasons it took four years besides the financial dig out was I couldn't see myself. I almost didn't go back into real estate, which would have been a shame. It would have affected a lot of people's mm-hmm. lives or not affected a lot of people's lives like it is now. So the labels are important. So people say, well, how do I change that? Get around other people. 
and find a story. I, David Nurse said it to me. Speak of David Nurse, our, our mutual friend. He said, you know, Chris, this isn't brain science. I, I find someone from working with a client that, that wants to go achieve this. We find them literally on the internet. And we go model ourselves after that. Now there's more to it. But I, the fact is we can find someone to go model and get ourselves out of this label and get ourselves broken out of it. And of course, coaching and mentoring. But yeah, I was in a whirlwind with that, that junk. Isn't it, isn't it true that the environmental game drives the mental game? You know, the mental game gets so much attention and it should, right? Deservedly so. But I think the environmental game ultimately drives the mental game. You're right. It's your exposure. Another way to say that is your association determines your destination. You know, the people yeah, you time. associate with. And, and I've heard you say this before. You say you can either speak to yourself or listen to yourself. And so it's about getting around the right people, but it's also about telling yourself the right story. So let's get into the intricacies of what you do, Chris, because you've got some really interesting philosophies and ultimately you've been able to act on those philosophies to help many people create a lot of opportunity for themselves and for others. So could you get into some of the intricacies of how you coach and teach people to build and accumulate wealth through real estate? Yeah, a couple of things come to mind when you say that, because earlier in the show, we said, or I, I alluded to bridging the gap. And I thought it was awful that people go to a seminar and they go out and then they just quit. So I said, we all said, how can we do that? How can we bridge that gap? One is the way we teach, the way we do is interactive. I don't think there's a better way to learn where um, let's say you, Jordan, come in and you say, okay, I took your course. Most people say, good, go off and do it. Like they're good marketers, they like to sell stuff. We say, good, now let's lock arms. Let's go do deals together because every single day, if they're doing deals, literally some of my hiring clients, I am on the phone with daily because stuff happens. It's not in the book. It's not at the seminar that you just can't, I could write 17 books just on all the, all the curveballs. So we teach interactively. We even get on the phone with some of the people's buyers or sellers. We tape calls, they tape calls, we critique live. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes on in there, but here's the good news. After you get through the first five or 10 deals in, in your, one of our students, you kind of get it. Now you'll have stuff that comes up, but you'll kind of get the base because you did it with us. Big, big difference to, hey, go take a course and, and good luck. And that's unfortunately causing a lot of heartache. Part of what separates you and your training, you talk a lot about terms. You wrote an entire book devoted to terms. Could you tell now, keep in mind, um, I'm, I'm an amateur, right? So as we're sharing this discussion, I'm sure there's a lot of other amateurs listening, yeah. but can you get into to, to terms and how terms make a difference relative to what you do? Yeah, so tying this back to the crash. So the crash, challenges were because I signed my name personally, if you're in the United States, on a loan. And nothing against bankers, but they're doing the job. And they gotta, they're going to come look at you if you sign. So I said, coming out of the crash, never, ever again will that happen, ever. Unless it's my personal residence and there's a reason I need to be in a certain place that I can't do terms on. Because terms means I'm going to buy that home without a bank every time. But I'm either going to buy it owner financing where the seller is the bank. I'm making payments to them. Or I'm going to buy at least purchase. Uh, and that's even easier for someone that's looking at this as a new endeavor, lease purchase. So what does that mean? It means I control, we control as a company at any one time, coaching in our personal, about 80 now, 85 million of real estate. And there isn't, if you put all the people in the room, we did it in a ballroom in 19 and we said, raise your hand. If you spent you know, more than hundred, more than 200, more than $500 for a deposit, the entire room was about 2,500 bucks to tie up $85 million in real estate. That's important. And here's why it's important. When I put my head on the pillow at night, Jordan, I know there's no banks that I'm obligated to personally. I don't care what the market does. I am not on those loans personally. 
and that'll continue. And I, and, and when a student calls me and says, yeah, but I have great credit and I can do three loans at this bank. I say, please stop. You're going to put yourself and your family at, 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 at risk. And so that's what it means to do things on terms, no banks, none of your own cash and everything on terms, lease purchase or owner financing. So talk to us about some of the misconceptions because there's some people listening right now going, wait a minute, like I, I can do this. How do I do this? Yeah. Can you talk to us about some of the misconceptions or maybe even objections that one might have in, in listening to you and some of the theories? Yeah, well, look, I, I, prior to the crash, I had 18 years experience where I maybe peripheral knew about this stuff, but didn't put it in my business. And so I too thought, well, I'll go buy a commercial building. I'll raise some money or I'll put my own down. I did both. And that's how you buy real and you go get a loan. And there's nobody that's not going to have you sign personally. No, no bank's going to let you off the hook on that. Non-recourse loans are very difficult. So the misconceptions are number one, you can do it. People say, well, come on, how do you convince them? I, I'm not convincing anyone ever. What I'm doing is solving real estate problems that are out there. What are the real estate problems that are out there that, that are important to answer this misconception question? Um, COVID caused people to get behind. COVID caused some kick the can down the street with some um, forbearance agreements. There's some sad stories like that coming to us right now and we have their guide and I'm super happy we can do that. I'm, I'm talking about some elderly people, some just people that you want to help and they would have been kicked to the side of the road and foreclosed on. So there, is, there are more properties than you can imagine if you're listening to this going, I wonder, I wonder if anyone in my area, yes, anywhere in the United States, you can do this out of the country, but we're mostly in the US and it's important to know that the, the banks are not changing. They're getting tighter and tighter and tighter. The demand for this is going through the roof. It was great pre-COVID. It's been even better, knock on wood, since COVID because we can help a lot, a lot of people. Um, so you don't need your own cash. You don't need credit. I didn't have it after the crash. I had no choice, no credit. My credit went in the toilet. And so you can do this and you can do it in your area. One more stat. There's about 33%, about a third, Jordan, in the United States for properties that are debt-free, a third. They don't owe anything on the property. So this is not always about the people that need our guidance because they're hurting. We love the free and clear properties. The building I'm standing in right now, talking to you, was bought on owner financing, no bank underwriting, uh, on my terms, on a 20-year note, and I did it in about one week. A commercial building would usually take about four months to purchase. It was free and clear and you wanted to do that kind of deal. Those sellers are out there and I'll show you how to get to them. It's very simple. So where do we get started? So, somebody's listening and think, okay, this is really fascinating. It's interesting. I have no experience in real estate. Um, I, I've got no capital. I don't, have, I don't have a great credit score. I mean, what do you say to that individual who wants to get started outside of obviously, you know, take your class and enroll in some of your training, right? That'd be a good place to start. But just general advice to the average person about getting started. How do they, how do they get started, Chris, in, in doing what you do? Yeah, I'm big on free, Jordan. I'm not so naive to think that, look, what I do is the only thing you should do. Real estate has a lot of cool niches. So in my podcast, I bring on people that are in other niches on purpose and people are surprised I do that because reality is it's not for everyone, right? So here's mm -hmm. the simple formula to, I think, to answer your question. One, because everything's free now on the internet, YouTube's a great spot. We show over hundred of our deals. We show the good, the bad, and the ugly on our channel. Just go mm -hmm. look at it, Smart Real Estate Coach, but go look at other niches. And say, so number one, pick a niche that you can get behind. Like morally, ethically, value-wise, hey, I like this. I can get behind this. I can help people or whatever it is your goal is. Number two, find someone in that niche that is where you want to be, right? This isn't brain science. You know this from mentors and, and our friends we talk with, David knows this. Like go find someone that's where you want to be. Morally, ethically, health-wise, family-wise, whatever it is for you that's important. 
And so you can live with that type of a mentor for a while and that, that, that leader. Third, this is the tough, the tough part in real estate anyway, is put the blinders on for three years. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to take you three years to do a deal. It means if you set your expectation for three years, when you get those curveballs, because they're going to come, you won't quit on me or whoever you're following. So it doesn't matter what niche you pick, do those three steps. You'll have a great experience. And um, quick sideline story. I had um, Brian Tracy on my show and I, and I said that three year thing to him. And he said, Chris, I, I, I almost word for it. I'm 82 or whatever he said. I think he's within a year of that. He said, it's not three years. So I was like, whoa, no one's challenged my three year thing ever. He said, it's seven years. You're going to mm. fall and you're going to suck for two or three. Then you're going to kind of get it and make some good money. Then at the end of the seven years for two or three of those, then you'll kind of make your real money. And then I look at all my history of my businesses. He's absolutely right. But at least go in with the three-year thing on, in, in mind. You know, it makes me think about the old Tony Robbins adage. You know, most people overestimate what they can do in a year and they underestimate what they could do in a decade or Love to it. your point, seven years, right? And, you know, I think that's been my story. I'm sure that's been part of your story there's a period of suck, right? It's stepping into the pain of being yeah. less than awesome, right? As, as one of my good friends says. So um, here's what, I, I, what I've picked up on with you, Chris. You're a gifted thinker, but you're also a gifted communicator. I think, I think great leaders are great communicators and great communicators naturally make great leaders. Uh, you communicate for a living. I mean, you're a, you're a public communicator. You're training, teaching, you're on shows, you're speaking, you know, when, when we talk about communication, you're, you're really big on being candid, on being to the point, being blunt. I know one of your values is, is candor, right? Yeah. So can you talk to us about how being candid and brutally honest has paid off for you in your business dealings? Yeah, this is good. Um, I love that value out of our values because there's no guesswork. Um, this doesn't give anyone a license or permission to be rude. I want to be very clear on this. People think that like, look, we're from New England, like we're all blunt, I get, you know, but from right. a company standpoint, we get people all over the country in our, in our business, right? And yeah. students, so we keep, it's not a license to be a jerk to someone. It's just clear communication. Um, I'm gonna, her name's slipping me, Kim, I think something or other, wrote that book, Candor, you might, you might help me on that, but if you know, but the, the book's awesome, it goes along with our value, but it does help break down any uh, barriers in meetings, in planning, in future planning because you get those values that you go by. It's not opinionated. It's, it's those values in the, in, the, in the blunt to the point, no gray area one that we use. It just allows us to have permission to speak open, not to be rude or crude. That makes sense? Yeah, we say it this way. We have to prioritize somebody's future over their feelings. You know, so if yeah. you're going to lead from the front and prioritize somebody's future, I think, I think we really got to consider, hey, I, I got to be honest. And, and I think as you get you know, if you have more success and you have more influence, it becomes more difficult because you have fewer people around you willing to give you the truth. Right. And, and I respected the way that you've provided the truth for other people. Um, David said that he says, you know, Hey, he's East coast. He's pretty direct. You know, just want to give you a heads up, but you're also very kind. <laughs> so um, I appreciate that about you. Hey, we're going to, we're going to end this way. I want to talk a little bit about family. We talked about relationships earlier. You have a very unique business model in a sense that you're in business with with family, you get your son, your son-in-law, a uh, number of different family members that work with you. What has that been like? And what would you say to somebody who's considering getting into business with family? Yeah. So people say, oh, it's cool. Like, did you orchestrate and figure out the dog chart and all that? I said, nothing like that. I wish I could tell you it was brilliant. And I did that. What happened was in 14 ish, 2014, I was getting busy again. And my son, Nick was literally next to me in the office as a realtor. And I said, could you help me out? He started helping me with buyers. And then 
Zach and my daughter Kayla were in the bartending business in this area with the tourism and everything. It's lucrative, but the lifestyle stinks. And so they said, hey, is there any spot for me? This was 15. I said, look, there's no free lunch to, to quote the old Zig Ziglar quotes, but what I will do is we'll do deals. And if it's successful, we'll split the profit, you know, in a certain formula. So it became an organic thing where they all started growing into their roles, not orchestrated by me. And then as we began to grow as a company, I know you're big on leadership. We kind of tied into elite entrepreneurs and they helped us with the meeting rhythm and the values and the mission and the purpose. And then as a team, we developed that. Now, why is that important to your family question? So there's no opinions to my earlier point when you already voted as a team on the mission, the purpose, and the values, when a decision comes up, it's not about family. It's about, does this fit where we're going? Does this fit? The, does this new product we're talking about achieve the mission? No, then don't do it. It's not an opinion. So that helps break down any kind of family thing you'd have in there. Secondly, we at one time, we're not now, but we at one time, Jordan, had three, the homes were like, you could see each other's homes. Okay. When we were renting temporarily, three of us. <laughs> So we get home, my office, you could walk home from, even if we walked home together or we drove home, we'd yell across the driveway, Nick would yell out, hey dad, how was your day? Like we never saw each other. So when we went home, it was home. If you had something to celebrate for a win, you could talk about it. If it was negative, you definitely couldn't bring it home. To this day, that's, that's kind of the rule with it. Um, so that's what we've done. Now we've grown a great team around us, but that's how it started. Well, you, you're, um, you're doing a great job of, of loving the people close to you and, uh, and I, I just appreciate that, man. I appreciate that family comes first in your life. And I think it was Mark Batterson who said, I, I want to be respected most by people who know me the best. And that's the life that you're living, you know? So um, I before it. I turn you loose, Chris, I want to put you on the leadership hot seat and, and give you some quick hit questions. Sure. And uh, I'm going to remind our audience, our definition, we subscribe to John Maxwell's definition of leadership, which leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So uh, you could go a number of different directions with these questions. Number one, I want to know, um, what is the greatest leadership lesson that you've ever learned? All these, every time I answer questions, it's got to be where my head is today, right? So where my head is today on that is sort of, I didn't know prior to growing company the, the way we have. So prior to the to crash, it would be, I didn't know to grow a company, you grow people. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just, you, you, people would say, well, what do you mean you didn't know that? I, I just didn't see it as that. I saw people as an expense versus driving revenue. Big mind shift for me. And so uh, that's how we've, that was one of the bigger lessons I've learned, if you will. Yeah, I love that. Again, putting you on the spot, your favorite leadership quote. Favorite leadership quote, what hits you? Man, um, there's an old one. I'm going to mess up who did it, but on persistence. Uh, so I'm not going to quote it exactly. I'm not, I'm not big on the memorization, but it's about persistence. It's an old president's quote. I forget which one it was. <clears throat> persistence, be persistent. Um, and then finally, leadership book. Um, any, any book that you think, besides your own, uh, which we're going to tag in all of the, the show notes, um, any, any book do you think uh, leaders should be reading right now? Well, I mentioned, uh, I think it's Kim Scott. Her name just came back to me, Candor. I, I mentioned her earlier. I think that's a great book for solopreneur or you're growing an enormous company. I think that's a, a great one. But I also think the biographies of people that, from a leadership standpoint, the biographies of people who have accomplished like huge things, mm. those are great leadership in themselves. Like Shoe Dog comes to mind. Steve Schwartzman comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, the recent one with Dell, I thought was amazing. I blew through that. There are lessons in leadership all throughout those books. Awesome. Love that. And then finally, what's next for Chris Prefontaine? Tell us what's next. 
And then ultimately, I want you to tell people where they can find you. How do they get involved in some of the work that you're doing? Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Jordan. Uh, what's next? Um, and the next, our missions end, our five-year mission ends this year in December. And so what's next is we'll reset that mission for a three-year mission. But what's next for me, and I, I lived it a little bit in the December offsite, and that is to empower some of the leaders that have kind of popped their heads up, my son-in-law being one of them, my son, and some great leaders on the team to go ahead and take the reins. So I was able to sit back a little bit in December and see that, and it's super gratifying. I want to continue to empower them and sort of keep that carrot there to, to, so they know they can achieve a whole bunch more than we've already set up. And so that's going to be super cool to watch over the next three years. And I'm going to enjoy some, some time with my wife, Kim, and the, and the grandkids and create some cool experiences. Good for you. And, and again, I want, I want to know if somebody is involved in, in or somebody wants to get involved in your trainings and some of the work that you do, how can they learn more about Chris Prefontaine? Yeah, so I mentioned earlier all the free stuff, right? Because I look if you if you look at all our stuff and you go, ah, it's not for me. Good, uh, we save time. So yeah. go to go to YouTube, go to type in Smart Real Estate Coach. You'll see all our deals and some of our logic. There's a motivational Monday series. There's Q and A's, and you'll get to know us. And you can see in that three step formula if that's what you want to do. If you want to go through a free class, again free, just go to SmartRealEstateCoach.com forward slash Masters Class. Um, that'll give you the next level. And then you can decide if you want to go further. I'm sure you can hook up with us. There's all kinds of ways in the website. And if you didn't catch that and you're listening, just know we will tag uh, those links in the show notes. We'll include Chris's website uh, along with social media handles. Um, Chris, this is a show helping leaders go faster, farther. You've helped us do that today. I appreciate your time. I look forward just to connecting and collaborating with you out into the future. And I want you to know that. I appreciate you very much. And you keep doing what you're doing because these are going to be some cool things in a decade now that we see all the leaders you've developed. Cool stuff. Hey, uh, appreciate that, brother. God bless you. Thanks again, Chris. Look forward to chatting with you again real soon. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies podcast. We want to say a big thanks again to Chris Prefontaine for being with us. Thank you for investing your time, your energy, and who you are into the Montgomery Companies community. We also want to say thanks to James Roth and John Choate of Storyline Multimedia for all of the work that they do behind the scenes to make these episodes go. And finally, we want to say thanks to you for tuning in, for checking us out. We would love it if you'd like, share, and subscribe to this podcast in an effort that we might move our mission of impact forward. Be well, be great. Have an incredible day.